Hey friends, I go by Chavid Dang. Yo fam, I'm Dine Peace. You're listening to Sit Down, Be Hungry. If it ain't shabu, we ain't hot potting. Welcome to Sit Down, Be Hungry, episode 17. In this episode, we talk about our trip to Temple Club, the restaurant, not the nightclub. We preview films from CamFest. We also welcome back good homie chef 2 David Fu, a saucy saucin' on you, and more. Episode 17. Howdy, guys and gals. Yeah, yeah. Be hungry. Be hungry. Hey, Chavid. What's going on, Dime Piece? What did the egg say when it got turned up? I don't know. Omelette. <laughs> Hi, guys. It's Dime Piece. It's Chavid Dang. Welcome to Sit Down, Be Hungry, episode 17. It's your favorite food pod. No, I... I <laughs> peas. Wait, it was a pea joke, right? No, 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 no. Let's keep going. We are two peas in a pod. Yeah. Cast. <laughs> Episode 17. We are in partnership with CamFest. Yeah, shout out to those guys. Shout out to CamFest homies. Um, just for those that don't know, it's Center for Asian American Media. And the festival will be May 10th through the 24th here in San Francisco. So if you are interested, hit up their websites, all their socials. And there's a lot of movies and events happening on. So catch us at some of them. Speaking about catching up, we got some catching up to do. So we were at Soul Bloom a couple weeks ago. Last week. Or was it last yeah, week? Yeah, by the time you hear it, yeah, yeah last, guess, last weekend. Guess last week. In my hometown. Of Sacramento. And uh, we called it Saccation. Yep. We actually created a, a whole chat group regarding yep. this. Yep. So shout out to our parent podcast network, Good Company. It was really fun at Soul Bloom. I enjoyed a lot of the acts, ate some good stuff. But this is a food podcast, so we can kind of get into maybe some of the food we had. So outside of Soul Bloom, Jordan, I mean, Chavid <laughs> is very excited when all of us come to Sacramento and kind of plans a big tour, I guess. Not this Sh- sure. wasn't as big as the last one as far as places that we went to. Because remember, last time I went to four taquerias in less than 24 hours. And a pizza place. And a pizza place and bars and et cetera, et cetera, yep, et cetera. Yep, yep, yep. But uh, this time we didn't go to that extent. But we, we went did. to some extent. Though. We went to some extent. We did get to try a bunch of pretty cool places. You did have your gym boys again. I finally got gym boys again. Man, I don't know. I think you're still searching for this that magical third, experience. Yeah, so I'm still searching for that elite gym boy, and yeah. I, I don't know if it exists. Jimmy is boy. Am I? Am I? Is this a unicorn that I'm never gonna catch? Like I don't know. I'm chasing the dragon yeah. at this point. <laughs> you just want that perfect taco. I want that perfect gym boy. Yeah. That was inclusive, and I think, what, we could probably talk about our grand finale of the trip. We got a fat picnic and headed by the river. Fuck that river, man. <laughs> Only the mosquitoes. I think everything else is fine, I right? I got 14 mosquito bites on just my ankles. Hey, they got to eat, too. Why? Just me. It's not you, but they got to eat, too. <laughs> They're dining on dimeys. <laughs> but yeah, let's get into what producer Flan Reyes thinks should be the national dish of Sacramento. Brandy fried chicken. EFC. I never heard of it before. Until Flan was kind of putting it this way, I didn't really know of it as like a regional classic like that. I've grown up just eating it. And for me, it was just like, oh, this is Chinese fried chicken. Is there actual brandy in it? Is that why it's called brandy fried chicken? Or is it made by some bra- some girl named Brandy? Like, did <laughs> like, brandy- the, sing- like the singer? <laughs> did Brandy? <laughs> but no, I just think there's brandy in the batter, which is why it comes out so dark and golden brown okay. when it's fried. So it's, it's it way- like caramelized. Yeah, it. and you kind of notice that too. It's way deeper in hue than your uh, other types of fried chicken. It's more common in like Cantonese Chinese places, which are very prevalent in Sacramento. 
Having it growing up, I never knew you couldn't get it as much anywhere else, so I just ate it. It kind of has like a history that's just been around. Like you can get it at the supermarkets there, some of them, like the Bel Airs. That's amazing. The place we got it from, though, is a place in South Sacramento I used to go to a lot growing up called Chopsticks Express. Shout out to Sush for working there. Back, back when in the day. Uh, he would give me the wing combo for half off. <laughs> They're not going to listen to this. And then just fill it way too much with the fried rice. And we got what, two or three of those? Uh, yeah, we got two of them. And they were how well, much? I think we got three of them. Did we get three? Gosh, I don't know. But yeah, it's two pieces, usually like a drum and then like a thigh or a breast mm-hmm. and a mountain of pork fried rice. And it's like five bucks. It was really, really good. I regret not eating more of it. <laughs> I'll go bring some. It won't be as fresh, but uh, it'll always be there. South Sacramento staple. Do you know the history of this? Uh, Flan kind of tried to put me up on game. I didn't get to read through all of it because I've just always had it growing up. But you knew it like since you were a kid. Yeah. It's been around for a while. Mm -hmm. Even my grandpa kind of had a variation recipe on it because he used to work at Frank Fat back in the day, which is one of the pioneers of bringing Cantonese food to Sacramento. Ironically, I've never been there. Did he like own it when you were- No, he just worked there. So you weren't there. I was not around. You you were not around. I was not around at that time yet. (laughs) In history. <laughs> but yeah, if you have experience with brownie fried chicken, let us know your brownie fried chicken experience because Flan's trying to make this the unofficial official dish of Sacramento. Should we start like a petition? Ooh, good like idea. Like change.org? Yeah. Start a petition about this brownie fried chicken. Yeah. I did a, another staycation in East Bay this weekend. <laughs> Dime Pieces Global. <laughs> when I leave San Francisco, I'm it's, visiting. <laughs> it's that word plus cation, wherever it is. <laughs> But yeah, so we've been wanting to check out Temple Club Oakland for a very long time. Yeah, you're the one who told me about it and it got me excited about it. I just heard about it like, I would say six months ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not even much older than that, is yeah, it? Yeah, it's less than a year old. It's on International. And like 14th. Something like that. It's in, it's in um, Fruitvale, East Oakland area. It's been on my radar for a while and I'm glad we were able to finally go. We found other food pals that are down to eat mm-hmm. and which is always nice so then we can order a lot and yep. try a lot of food. So yeah, shout out for our friends for coming with us. They were really just people to make sure we could try more things. But yeah, we were glad you guys were there. Yeah. We got about about half the menu. We ordered about half the menu. So the menu is two sides. It's printed on neon, like cardstock paper. So I could almost take a minute to appreciate that too because, you know, I'm a graphic designer that usually works for these artisanal hipster branded places. Mm -hmm. So for the fact that they kind of wanted to keep it authentic, low budget, Mm -hmm. I really appreciated that. So just a little history. So Jonathan Dietz is Bay Bread. I think he's originally from Oakland. I'd say in the early 90s, He opened up a few restaurants here, some seafood, some sandwich restaurants. And I don't know the reasoning why, but he decided to stop all of that and then moved to Vietnam. And he lived in uh, Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City and uh, opened up a restaurant called Black Cat. I'm not sure exactly on the timing, but it kind of sounds about right because I remember the first time we went to Vietnam, it was the early 2000s. And at that point, Westerners were barely starting to be able to build in Vietnam. Vietnam was very closed off on like letting anyone come in to build. That makes sense around that time that he was able to go in there. He opened up Black Cat. He's like, let's build, fam. Let's build, fam. <laughs> like, P-H-A-M. <laughs> <laughs> Putting yeah. government out there? I'm just kidding. That's and, common knowledge. Um, so I looked up, it, it was, it actually did really well because Vietnamese people, you know, they all have the American dream. And so uh, Jonathan, D, Jonathan, he was selling like pastas, burgers, pizzas, and then some Vietnamese fare. So mostly American and Vietnamese fare. I just love that he came back home and did just the opposite. <laughs> yeah, so he lived in Vietnam for 16 years, came back to America and realized, you know, the representation of Vietnamese food in America is 
pretty shitty. <laughs> or I think generalized like a lot of other cuisines for are sure, too. For so sure. it's awesome that we're getting in this time now where we can kind of get specialized like this now. Yeah. You can get more specific about being particular about regions, not yeah. just the country and that's their cuisine. So um, I believe him and his wife started as um, doing pop-ups first. and um, Very common theme these days, which yeah, I'm glad yeah, that's becoming so much I, of a thing. It's such a great platform that people can use to test out things before you know they throw in all this money and realize like, fuck, this is not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> But, it's a high um, risk for sure. His idea was bringing a Vietnamese food that's not your typical pho and banh mi, mm-hmm. which, you know, is is the common theme of Vietnamese food. And I appreciate what he's doing. It was a fun experience for me. I was really happy to share that with friends. Yeah. Even just walking in, um, you know, I've not been to Vietnam, but I've been to Southeast Asia. And then just that smell of the charcoal in the air because the kitchen's open. Yeah. Open kitchen. That was like our first impression. I was like, oh, this is, this feels right. Yeah. And so I was a little nervous because coming in, A, you need reservations. Um, Which we found out, yeah. Yeah, you need reservations now. They recently were named on GQ, uh, number one noodle. Dish in the country. Dish in the country. And so he's getting recognized like crazy. So... A, get a reservation. Not too hard to get a reservation, but you definitely don't want to show up and expect to sit down and yeah. eat. Or just drink beers down the street at Ale Industries like we did while we are waiting for our table, <laughs> yeah, which is not a bad trade-off anyways. If you need an appetizer, there's a good taco truck there. I was a little nervous because when I entered, I was the only other Vietnamese person there besides Mrs. Dietz. <laughs> and so I was like, oh man, I don't know about this. Yeah. But it smelled good. So oh, that charcoal smells good. everything. So one side is all appetizers, the other yeah. side it's all entrees. Which changes almost daily, which is impressive. Yeah, so that's what we were told. It changes all the time. There's mm-hmm. going to be some things that are always there the mikwang it's a pork shrimp noodles with a light broth because the broth is so concentrated that's the gq number one dish right? yeah, yeah yeah so that dish is always on there and there's a couple things on there but they said it practically changes every day mm-hmm. and, and you know obviously what's fresh in the market which i love that concept i love it too and, and the staff were being super welcoming um yeah. they were short two people that day too which yes. they told us and they still like didn't really miss a beat Really informative, really helpful. I mean, I, I hate to play it, but I had to play the Viet card. So yeah. <laughs> I talked to her. Hey, use it if you got it. She made sure we were taken care of and made sure that, you know, we didn't have to wait too, too long in some things. You know, we understood that, you know, they were shorthanded. So, yeah. you know, it's all good. As for the food, we probably don't have time to dive into every dish we got. Because no. again, we got like half the menu, but maybe some highlights, maybe one or two highlights from you. I did really love the tamarind ribs. Oh yeah. It's something that I never had before in a Vietnamese flavor form. It's actually something I want to make soon. Yeah, you've been talking about that for a while too. But that's something I haven't had before and it was really good. It was tender, crispy. It was, I think how they did it was they baked the ribs first and then they flash fried it at the end to get the little crispy edges and the the, caramelization. caramelization. So that was really, really tasty. And then the other dish that I really loved, it was a very simple chicken dish. Oh, that was fire. Chicken in Vietnam is the best. We call it running chicken. So I think it's just like natural free range chicken. It's it's an easier way to say it. Yeah, but in Vietnam, it's literal translation is running chicken. Mm -hmm. And it's just really good. It was cooked perfectly. It was charbol. It had like nice charbol bits to it. It was brined for two days with all this lime and lime leaves. And that was just like really refreshing and simple. Mm-hmm. There's this one dish that I've been wanting to try. <laughs> so it's basically shrimp that's fried with young green rice around it. Which we said would sound like a great rap name. <laughs> young green rice could be a, a rapper <laughs> name. And I ordered it because that's like been something I've yeah. been wanting to try. It's like kind of a newer dish out of Vietnam. Traditionally, it's done with like a thin layer of pork belly wrapped around the shrimp and then this rice that sticks to the pork belly and then you deep fry it. 
And so we ordered it and they were sold out. Which we got there like at eight. They close at 10. So that's understandable. Understandable. But it's like one of the most Instagrammable dishes that they have. <laughs> yeah. So they should have it. <laughs> Which at the time of us recording is none of the meals have been posted yet, but we'll post the dishes after recording this. Yeah. So I noticed that one was coming out because <laughs> it's an open kitchen. I noticed one coming out and they sent it to this table and they're like, oh no, we already got it. And so I saw like. So I'm in just, your mind, you're like, this I'm is like, the last one. That was the last one. conversation with all of our friends. But I see this dish going back to the kitchen. I was like, oh no, someone rejected it. Someone rejected it. Oh my God. And then so I kept on like trying to flag down the server. But remember, they're short handed so they're not like responding right away yeah. and then so I finally grabbed someone that was not our server and asked her I'm glad you shot your shot because it was yeah, worth you gotta it shoot your shot and we got it, it and, they, and they gave it to us on the house even and it was great I've never had something like that before but I've been seeing it and I've been wanting to try it I really enjoy the texture the young rice it was like gelatiny after, almost after, after the crunch after the deep fry it's like a nice crunch outside but it was like chewy rice inside and I really appreciated that that was great mm -hmm. yeah I'm glad you finesse that one because it was a good highlight for sure for me probably I think I was talking about at the dinner my winner were the mussels but again everything was fire after eating there it made me like think about where are these other restaurants that are like this in the Bay Area that there's, don't just have pho and banh mi yeah I mean so I know there's definitely a bunch in San Jose it's, that style is called guanyo which is basically like eating with your friends mm. and drinking beer and, it's, and it's like a hangout and it's all shareable food. So I know that happens a lot. Like I see my friends in Orange County, like they go, uh, it's called, let's go nyao. <laughs> and so that's just like hanging out, eating and drinking and just typically there's a lot of awful in a nyao and a like hot pot and sharing and dipping and lots of Hennessy and lots of beer. <laughs> but, it ain't shabu, but we can still hot pot. <laughs> Eating places like that or eating something like that, it really makes me miss home because like that's just what I do at home when I go home with visit. Like we all get together, eat really good food and it's not but me and pho. Yeah, that <laughs> so, was awesome. I want to go back for the jellyfish. Yeah, shout out shout out to Jonathan Dietz and what he's doing and you know, Temple Club is great. Mm -hmm. Everyone, please go educate yourselves. There's more than pho and yeah. but me yeah, out Shout there. out to Temple Club. Um, please go if you haven't checked it out yet. They're probably only getting more and more popular so it might be harder and harder to get a table. So get there soon. So this is a special episode. As we mentioned earlier, this is in partnership with Campfest. Shout out to Marky, living proof, <laughs> for basically reaching out to us and, you know, suggesting that we work with Campfest and connected us with Lancia. Shout out to Lancia for sending us um, the movies to watch. Yeah, I had a fun little movie day the other day. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, you know, as you know, we are movie pass, except for Chavit here. Yeah. But it was nice to like watch, join a, now. watch a movie, not at the movie theater, which is what I've been doing all the time. Yeah. So we got to screen three of the four available food-related movies uh, during the Cannes Festival, only because the fourth one is still being made. Yeah, we'll get to that a little bit later. I guess we'll go in order of what we watched. Yeah. So we started with Ulam. Mm -hmm. It showcased uh, Filipino cuisine in America. So what I did learn about Ulam from Flan is it's basically the main dish. Is what the it definition. Like. Definition yeah, yeah, yeah. is the main dish. We already ate before watching this. Not too much though. A little bit. We had a Popeye's appetizer. And fancy organic popcorn. <laughs> And so while we're watching Ulam, God, we were really hungry again. Again, like 10 minutes in. Yeah, 
It did not All take the food long porn shots. For us to get hungry again. You know, there's that funny stereotypical thing that, like, oh, Filipino food hasn't broke through because it's ugly looking food. No, that stuff looks amazing to us. And we yeah, got stuff. And, and, and I think that's what um, happens with our generation, especially with the chefs on the show. They take traditional dishes and make it look more presentable. Using for- their platform to really show what this can really be about. Gosh, so shout out to uh, Nicole from Marhalika and Jeepney in New York. Oh, yeah, her bits are pretty funny. <laughs> Alvin from Exla uh, and Boy. Yeah, I didn't know he was doing all these other things. The guys from Lhasa and mm-hmm. Rice Bar, the park's finest people, they yeah. were there. Um, gosh, three of those were all from LA. Yeah. I know uh, my friends in LA were really excited for this next Filipino food movement yeah, happening. Yeah, it's definitely, I think, hitting its stride right now, too. And it was great of this film to kind of capitalize on that and really showcase it in a great way without spoiling too many more of the amazing food shots. My yeah. favorite food shot, though, I can spoil, though, was that crispy duck confit or rose caldo. Yeah, that, that looks, looks super That good. looks really bomb. Yeah, it was, it was a great movie. It, it basically kind of showcases these chefs or people influenced by food, their story on how they got into food. You know, the typical, you're Asian, you should study hard and become a doctor and a lawyer yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you kind of break out of that mold and fall into food, which before celebrity chefs and everything, being a cook is a common job. It's not a job or where look you down upon job. Look down upon job, exactly. So our generation still struggles with that. And, you know, these chefs talk about it and then it's great that they're able to become successful in this job that's been looked down upon. Especially in this cuisine that's overdue to get its due, right? Because even growing up Chinese, having Filipino friends, it was kind of always hidden and harder to find. And I didn't get to know a lot about it. You know, I get to a lot now because I have friends that are Filipino and I get to learn from them. Oh, for sure. But growing up in Sacramento, I didn't have a lot of that till I got older. So it's kind of great to see it showcased like that in this way. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of the dishes they mentioned in the movie, it was all things I definitely have had before at my friends' homes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I never went to a Filipino restaurant because... The film kind of gets into that, though, so Yeah, you'll I see. never went to a Filipino restaurant because it was always, you know, at my friend's house mm-hmm. or at a party or something like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would watch Ulam again, actually. Yeah, I actually started watching it again the oh, other day. Oh, you did? Yeah, but I didn't <laughs> get to yet. I was tired. Um, so yeah, we had just eaten Popeyes before that. We're full, but got hungry again because the shots were so good. But for the next movie, we kind of had to take out the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> so Jumanji. Uh, no, Jumanji. Oh, sorry. That, that's, that's Robin Williams' movie. <laughs> Jumami Tofu. Jumami Tofu. I did not know what to expect with this one, but... Uh, well, Flan already said it was a rom drum. Yeah. So I didn't know what to expect knowing that it was a rom drum. I would say to kind of preface it, it was less directly about food like Ulam was, mm-hmm. but food still had a big part to play in the film. Yes, yes. Food was, I would say, the supporting actor, actress. Yeah, it was almost <laughs> its own character. Uh, so yeah, it's a love drama between a Singaporean and a Japanese... A Singaporean chef. Chef. Yeah. And a Japanese food critic. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to go too deep into that, but... Yeah, some of the drama was spicy. It's been pretty <laughs> spicy. The tofu wasn't, but it was pretty spicy. I didn't even know about... So Ju- Jumani? Jumani? Jum- I keep on wanting to call it Jumanji. I'm sorry. It's a peanut-based tofu. Mm-hmm. I actually really want to try it now because I never had it before. Yeah, no, I same. I ever hear about it before. Yeah, well, again, like the film calls out, it's like a very regionally specific thing. Um, I believe the I believe the island was Hokkaido. Okinawa, sorry. Okinawa. It was in Okinawa. And it's very specific to that island. Yeah, so yeah. So you can't find it in other parts of Japan. We were kind of saying like the clothing. You could tell that this movie was made in Asia because there was a lot of like phrases on phrase, phrase shirts. Phrase shirts, <laughs> which I 
But uh, also, just seeing shots of the island, I've never got to see it filmed like that before. The island looked beautiful. Yeah. Like any good food inclusive movie, the shots of the food were really great. Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, they're actors, I feel like the main guy took on mannerisms of a cook really well. It was nice, light entertainment, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. It was a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I felt like a lot of stuff happened at the beginning. And we're like, oh no, what's going to happen? What's, <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen now? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I'm glad we had the popcorn ready. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm definitely glad we had the popcorn. Unfortunately, I did not have time to check out the third one, which is... David Lump did. Lumpia. While he puts his hand on his beard. <laughs> so all I know about this was it's it was filmed in the Bay Area, only in Daly City. It seems so from the shots. And it was filmed 10 years ago? 15 years oh, ago. 15, it, started, it started 15 years ago, No, right? the release date was 2003. And then when I got to the credits, it said it had been filmed from 1996 to 2003, which was surprising to me, like... Because That's it kind such of felt a huge span. Kind of like Jamami Tofu, Lumpia was not necessarily the star of the film, but it was a very integral part in it. Got it. It had a really nice, kind of in a good way, like cheesy home movie uh -huh. effect to it. Like it was made by a bunch of high school kids and it felt like that okay. in, a, in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah, the way it's made, it's almost so cheesy that it's kind of achieved like this cult film vibe to it. And that's what really makes it enjoyable. <laughs> like some of it was drawn like a comic book. Like there were panels. Meanwhile, this was going on. Oh, really? And like there'd be some freeze frames where they would illustrate some I'll of it. To check it out still. Yeah. And it was like really about like high school drama, like different cliques kind of clashing with each other, fighting over girls. You said that I would like it. Yeah. Like there's, <laughs> there's like fight scenes, but like with low budget fight scenes. I, I think I would like something like that. Yeah. I like really cheesy, kind of kitschy movies, no, especially I, about high school kids. Yeah. Definitely. I know you're on your 90210 I'm kicks. on my 90210 new class So just embody right that when you watch Lumpia. Got it. Okay. I, I, I was thoroughly entertained. And I, so I heard that there's going to be, is it a new version of it or a Lumpia 2.0 or something like that? Uh, I'm this, not sure. I, 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 I was too I enthralled think, with the film itself. I think there, you know, there's talks of a second one coming out or something like that. I think making one now, if they were to do one, would be really interesting because so much has changed. There's better cameras. Yeah. There's different issues to talk about. Yeah, they're definitely not high school kids anymore. Maybe it's like Karate Kid where it's like their kids now are the ones having the story about Lumpia. Just like 902 in a new <laughs> class. So yeah, yeah, go check that one I'm out. I'm definitely going to check it out. And so the fourth one, reason why we didn't get to screen it yet because it's still being worked on. As we speak. Our Chef Homie Friend 2, episode 10 guest. The Southeast Beast. Southeast Beast. He told us that they're going to be recording up until right before the event, which is happening on May 20th at Black Cat. Yep, which Chef 2 is now involved with. Yeah, so he is a chef consultant on their menu. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you have not had a chance to purchase tickets yet, for this event, I definitely suggest to go to the Cab Fest website and um, look into getting the tickets. There's, I think there's different, it's tiered on uh, what kind of tickets you can purchase, but you will be able to go down the red carpet, screen the movie, and there's like a reception afterwards. And I think if you get like the VIP, your name shows up Ooh, on the credits cool. on that. The Cam knows what they're doing. This is the, I was just looking up, this is the 36th edition yeah, of that's the festival. Awesome. But yeah, there's so many events. There's Heritage happening at the Midway. Yuna and Pilo is going to be there. A, a lot of our friends are DJing the event. Some of our friends have DJed the events in the past. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is such a cool thing to be a part of, attend. Um, and it's fun. So make sure you go. Yeah. And as for Chef 2, we'll find out from him in a bit. I want to welcome back our homie 2. What's up? From show 10. What's cracking? Oh first yeah, repeat. show 10, huh? Yeah, first repeat guest. What are we now? 17? Is it 17? This will be 17. Okay, okay. Welcome like back. It. Welcome back. Thank you, man. Um, many blessings. 
From day one, I I always mess and chill and hang with cool people, and I'm just excited for us. Game recognized game, you know. <laughs> and that's G A M E. G A M E. What was the nickname from last show? Oh, Southeast Beast. Southeast, Southeast Beast is East back Beast. in the building. Yes. I need to copyright and trade that. Yeah, you should. We got to make little T-shirts and um Southeast bobbleheads. Beast. Yeah. <laughs> Can you coming imagine? to your web, coming to your web store soon. <laughs> Yeah, you know what they can do. They don't need bobbleheads. Do bobble lips. <laughs> oh my god, like a jib jab commercial, yeah, right? <laughs> what have you been up to since we uh, last kicked it? So much. Uh, Got to count the blessings, man. Ever since post Top Chef, everything's been blowing up. All the opportunities are coming in. I'm doing a traveling dinner series. Last month I did New York and Brooklyn at Bricolage. This month in May I'm going to Rhode Island. I'm the new consulting chef over at Black Cat Jazz Venue. Just hey. got reviewed by Bauer. Hey. What's up? Congrats. Shout out to the Chronicle team. Shout out to Eater for uh, recognizing G-A-M-E. Love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah, what's that traveling dinner called again? Uh, chef's Hawker Center. Yeah. You can go you to Chef's know, Hawker Center. We talk about it all the time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you got to eat at a couple of those. Definitely. So it's uh, all across the nation in a major city in a new state every month. Make sure you follow the website, subscribe to our newsletter. And hopefully I'll be coming to a town near you. We try to keep it at a low cost. 99 bucks is usually for nine courses. Alcohol is usually included. And it's usually featuring myself and some other chefs. So if you're a fan, you watch the show, you want to try the food, you want to taste interesting, eclectic, different perspective, different stories of Asian food, sign up, subscribe. It's got it all. Yeah. The other reason you're here is uh, you kind of got behind the lens for a little bit. Yeah, man. I was trying Again. To, again. <laughs> you know what's funny? Like, I've always had a passion to, like, understand history and storytell uh, the things that are pertaining to my culture, my heritage, and paired with my interest and desire to learn more about myself. So those and two, when I'm learning, I'm always telling somebody else about it. That's how I got into food. As I got deeper into food, I cooked the food that, you know, especially with these flavors people never had before, because this is dishes and palates from my parents and all that stuff. And, you know, it gets a little bit interesting, so I have to storytell. And when that storytelling, these new and cool opportunities came up, I started to, like, do radio podcasts. I started to do, like, short media clips for Chef's Feed and these other interesting, like, chef and food videos. And they evolved to me going on to Top Chef. And from Top Chef, you know, I start to seek opportunities to do media in a most disconjointed way. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't linear. It happened organically. It happened organically. I, what's the cool new terms for organic right now? Grassroots. <laughs> oh, I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, no, we're not up on that yet. I only know a dispensary called Grassroots. Hi, Mom. Taking that from a conversation. Hi, Mama Yee. <laughs> It happened in the most grassroots, organic way. And, you know, I just kind of fell where my interests lie, like most of us. For sure. And uh, I just kind of found myself ending up here. Um, but going back to getting behind the media lens, I'm coming out with a uh, docu-series. Love um, it. Teamed up with Campfest. Shout out to Campfest. We yes. love you guys. Without you guys, uh, I strongly feel that the Asian-American story wouldn't be told. Thank you so much for all the amazing producers, the platform, all that stuff. Mad love, going strong. G-A-M-E. <laughs> <laughs> I was very fortunate to meet two film creators. One name is Santosh Daniel. He has a pretty healthy reputation in the industry. We met through a private dinner for Amphal Bank, and he did some video, blah, 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 etc. And we, we connect and we rooted there. And then the other person is James Chan. He's the director of Forever Chinatown. Um, fun fact, uh, this week, he just got nominated for an Emmy for Forever Chinatown. Ooh, wow. Shout out. Shout out to the blessings and, you know, to the Emmy <laughs> board and group. But just count out to the, um, you know, just 
all the blessings that we have that's surrounding this project, all the signs are pointing to yes up to this point. Yeah, but we're all working together. We feel that the content that's out there right now is very aggressive. It's very, I'm a man. This is how I feel. If you don't like it, then F you. I think it's complete bullshit. And I think the true essence of uh, media content, whether it's radio or doing a show or whatnot, you have to allow your subjects and your topics to speak. We feel like there's a true lack of that. And it's not about how great I am as a person or whoever you think I am or whatever. In this format, in this show, we're putting all the accreditation to the back roots of it. So, for example, uh, this docuseries is called First Kitchen. Mm -hmm. uh, so this docuseries is about people's first relationship with food and from all different perspectives. So we're not just talking about chefs. There's too many stories about chefs and how they were inspired by their grandmother's garden. And, <laughs> you know, this tomato that they have on their plate, they're trying to like... I have seen a lot of those stories. My passed away and they left me this recipe and I had to decipher it. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro, but that shit don't happen in Oakland, man. <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to keep it real. I'm not trying to like uh, romanticize a story in any sense. You know, I'm kind of less Thomas Keller, just real talk, and I'm more Tupac. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, that happens in cuisine as well, you know? Like, yeah, you may have a Calvin Klein manicured garden, like, up in Napa somewhere, no disrespect. But, you know, roses grow in the concrete in Oakland as well, too. No doubt. You know? Shout out to Tupac, you know? <laughs> but yeah, this series is called First Kitchen. My episode's called Bloodline. What's the reasoning behind the name? Which one? First Kitchen or Bloodline? Bloodline. First Kitchen has people's first perspectives and interaction with food. Mm -hmm. And Bloodline in particular is because uh, it's two things. It's the way I inherit my culture through food, mm -hmm. hence bloodline. Mm -hmm. And within that, funnily enough, symbolically, it is about how my dad is a fishmonger. By being a fishmonger or being in the seafood industry all his life, my mom's side of family, so generationally, we've been like nine generations of deep sea divers, or free divers, excuse me. Within all that, in our family cultural understanding of seafood, he worked as a fishmonger for about the last 30 years or so he would bring home the fish scraps. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would just make sense. And, yeah. you know, just to be very frank. We don't, we don't waste anything. We don't no. waste anything. <laughs> that stuff still tastes good if you treat it right anyway. Yeah, and that's exactly what he did. So we had this whole cuisine that was created out of um, necessity. I think that's a very common theme uh, throughout. And I think that's the great reason why you can feature that. And it's told a lot, but not, I think, in this way, which is why definitely. I put this project together. Definitely. I mean, it's definitely told a lot amongst like friends and stuff like that, right? But not a lot of people that have that same story do not have this media outlet. I, I appreciate that you said that. Yeah, yeah, thank, yeah thank, you're exactly a thousand percent right. I strongly feel that most amazing thing, whether this, you know, is quote unquote successful by whatever definition that means, this project alone got me closer to my mom, my dad, my sister. And I was able to dive and dig deep into my parents' past and their story and, you know, their, their essence, not just as parents, but as human beings. It brought us closer together as a family. I mean, that's the most beautiful thing for me. That holds more value to me, more than if it wins an Emmy or not, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying I don't want it, but... Like, <laughs> I mean, of course It's not. extra credit at that point. <laughs> it's extra, exactly. Everything else is extra credit at this point. Like, I think this is probably one of the most amazing projects I've ever done in my life. And if you could do your life's work and kind of, like folded into your family culture and heritage for like a deeper understanding and meaning. I think that's the most beautiful thing of all. Yeah, I'm very proud and excited about this project. Um, for the first time, I'm, I'm listed as a co-executive producer. 
Fancy. I can barely say it. Adding another, <laughs> adding another hat to your. It's fancy, your, yeah. Yeah, adding another hat, and you know, it's uh, it's definitely a blessing, like I say. You know, will this be um, kind of a jumping off point to other projects like this? Well, I, mean, I know you said you're launching this as a docu series, correct? Definitely. So will it be featuring other stories as well going forward that you will also De- co-executive. So many terms. <laughs> I, I think I mentioned. I think I mentioned this in the last episode where there's work that you want to do that you spider do, and at this point. I feel like it's purposeful work. You just scratch on an N, or excuse me, A and P. No, I'm dime piece uh, here. Dime piece, <laughs> yeah. excuse me. Dime piece, excuse me. Well, she's saying that while she has a Glock 45 on the table, guys. <laughs> oh my god. So I, you know, I, I really have to apologize and like, you know, avoid eye contact. <laughs> sorry, dime piece. Sorry, I'm dime piece. <laughs> oh my god. I'm so sorry. But yeah, this is purposeful work. I feel that there's definitely a need to better represent. Asian American culture and history here in the states, and no one's really kind of doing it. I mean, I totally feel you on this. In the Asian American culture, a lot of things that are being talked about are always like, "No, this is disrespectful." Like, for example, that yellow fever thing with um, oh, and Whole Foods and Whole Foods. So like, I feel like Asians don't really get mentioned in media unless it's like a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like our culture needs to be represented for good things. That's how sometimes the culture is. You know, you go to the grades thing. You only get in trouble if you have a bad grade. It's like you don't get recognized for getting the good grades. I mean, my case was different because I was a bad student anyways. But (laughs) I'm talking about the most in general way. Like, it's kind of viewed that way. Yeah, and I I feel that if if there's any unique niche that I I may have is that, you know, when people look at me, there's a lot of prejudices imposed on me. I'm a tall Asian dude. I'm like 6'2", I'm big, I'm thick, I'm not skinny, I'm not scrawny, I don't wear glasses, I'm not a software engineer, I'm not great at math. I'm loaded up with ink. For a person to come in like that, you may not listen to them, especially in a room. A person that comes in like that, you're not magnetized or you're not, they don't have a magnetic presence to you yet, but because they look so different in this room filled of, what, other non-colored people or people who don't look like him, you're forced to pay attention to that person. Yeah. And I and I kind of feel that way in media is that I look I feel like really it's different. Like, it's like a it's at a cusp where it's gonna change because like you know our generation yeah. doesn't follow that cookie cutter anymore. Yeah, and um, that that's gonna change. And there's access to platforms now where for that sure. can happen. Exactly. So for us to offer candidates or types of people who will have exposure outside of that cookie cutter would just give people more perspective on what how different and how similar other people can be. I'm really big about that. And I think there's a great opportunity and time to do so right now. Like you guys right now, like you guys are Asian Americans doing a podcast. I mean, stereotypically, excuse my language, but stereotypically, you should be playing Korean pop or something. You know what I mean? Or in short, K pop, you mean? Yeah. K pop. K pop, excuse me. K pop, excuse me. Watching Tara's house. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you should be reviewing. Um, you know, different episodes of K drama. You know, Korean drama. What's it called? I mean, we've got friends that do that. K drama. Yeah, K or K drums. If you want to be is that is that the that. proper term? I don't know. <laughs> that's, uh, that's that's Sushi's abbreviation. Oh, and I'm saying that's not a negative thing, but yeah, I'm saying yeah. the complete flip side of that. You guys are hip hop influence. You know, cool vibes. Not to say that other stuff isn't, but you're breaking stereotypes. That's what I'm saying. You guys are fitting outside the cookie cutter. And that's what people are going to look for. You know, like, why do you want to see the same stuff over and over again? So I think that's what's really important for organizations like CAM for bringing this to the forefront. Yeah. So can you tell the listeners a little more kind of CAM in general, what it's about and how this kind of plays a part in it? So CAMFest, uh, we were working in partnership with them to kind of show it on their platforms. At the same time, I feel that they seek 
producers like Santhush and James to help them put their content out there. Because mm -hmm. usually the content, especially with James and Santhush, the content and work they put there, they're trying to uh, have an impact with their work, if that makes any sense. Like they're true artists in their own right. And, you know, I'm just very blessed that they both approached me to work on this project with them. So are they going to be screening it at the event? So CamFest is happening May 10th through the 24th. Mm -hmm. Ours you're is going to be on the 20th, 20th yeah. at Black Cat. And that's in the Tenderloin, San Francisco. Tickets, if you're interested, are at camfest.com. Mm -hmm. And at this uh, screening will be the worldwide premiere of the first episode of our series. The red carpeted event. It's a red carpeted event. Ooh. VIPs. Yeah. And Black Cat's one of the top jazz venues slash restaurants here on the West Coast. Nothing else exists like it. I haven't it. eaten there. I've only got a cocktail there before. Wait, 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 wait. Ooh, wait. Hold there. on. I, I haven't either. Either. You guys know I'm the consulting chef there. So yeah, like, I you know. guys got to come. I know. I've only had a drink so far. <laughs> um, it's a new menu. We're very excited. Um, Michael Bauer just gave us a raving review. Shout out to Michael Bauer. Um, lots of love from Eater. East Bay Express. Shout out to you guys too. Bad Love. Bay Love. Yeah, but we flipped the menu to reflect the demographic and their neighborhoods that are in the Bay Area. So what will you be serving up? Um, because I'm of Vietnamese-American descent, you're going to see a lot of Vietnamese-American things there. <laughs> I like it. Um, there's bun mi on the menu. Um, we serve it a different, interesting way. I do tamarind mussels. It's going to be red carpeted event. The premiere is going to be at Black Cat. Is that what's happening there? The premiere is going to be at, at Black Cat. It's going to be a three-hour event. It's from going to be from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Okay. So there will be reception there. We'll be providing bites for everyone. Okay. Which and, were the things you listed earlier? Yeah, exactly. Ooh, nice. Oh, nice. There you go. And afterwards, there'll be a jazz performance. So whoever buys the tickets gets a discount. Then we get ratchet after? We can get very ratchet after. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a jazz performance afterwards. And... The ticket holders for this event will get a discount to see the performance live as well, too. Nice. And there's a live jazz performance every night um, oh, at Black okay. Hat. Nice. Very nice. Furthermore, like if you guys buy the VIP tickets, you guys will get uh, credentials through the film. So, so y'all better get on that. Support a good cause. You know, spend it opposed to spending $100 towards alcohol or the club or bottle service. Put it towards something meaningful. Put it towards something meaningful. Be thoughtful with your money. What, what is that called when you say uh, vote with your dollar? But they're not voting in a sense. No, <laughs> you're just having a good time and getting to learn something insightful. Exactly. Come check it out. There's nothing like it. Um, I'll be there myself too. We, I would love to do it. We're all doing a meet and greet. So myself, Santos, and James Chan. Yeah, thanks for coming. G-A-M-E. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> two is the spelling bee champ here. <laughs> Why do you think my name's a two-letter word? <laughs> one syllable, one sound. Easy success rate. Two. But what I noticed that people always fuck up your name though. I what know. Did they, what did they? Wait, wait, wait. Let me let me call out. All right, this is a great opportunity for to call out everybody out there: Asians, Asian Americans, non-Asians, everybody in the Western world, especially through email. I always introduce myself as two. Hi, my name is two. They'll look at my signature and then they'll say David. They only pick up David because that's what they recognize. It's recon yeah, it's familiar. Yeah, but I introduce myself as two. So drop the David. I can't drop the David. Because then, if I drop the David, then my name, my full Too name, foo. my full name's a five-letter name. <laughs> can't do that, man. Jesus. Oh, man. Thank you so much yeah. for being on here, too. We love yeah. you. I'm welcome back you anytime. <laughs> you are welcome anytime. Remember, my name is Two, not David. Game. Game. G-A-M-E. <laughs>
And I don't need to intro because he introed himself again. But uh, Southeast Beast is back. Welcome back to G A M E. Remember, it's two. Two. T-U. Not David. Not, Not David. David. <laughs> All right. You ready to get rid of a food item? Sure. All right. So the three items this week are marinara, pesto, and Alfredo. Alfredo. <laughs> Why? No contest. <laughs> yeah, no, no contest. Con- so what's up with Alfredo? If I need to explain that, we shouldn't be friends anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> Alfredo, that's like basically like Mornay with pasta. I don't know. It's a nostalgic thing for some people. Just for me, I didn't. I never had that growing up, so I could get rid of it. No to Alfredo. Okay. <laughs> what about a dime piece? I'm going to say marinara. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. But then... I agree what you said. Like, I don't care for Alfredo now, but I really like Alfredo sauce with my garlic, the bread at... Um, what about pizza, though? That's that place. Oh, yeah. They that put knocks marinara out, on that pizza. That knocks out pizza. I know. And there's I'm no... Really fuck, I'm, I'm fucked up. Then now. what are your mozzarella sticks going to do now? What are they going to do? I'm just kidding. No one orders mozzarella sticks. <laughs> Except for flan. Because every time a menu has mozzarella sticks, there's always so many other better things. But you still want to get them, and they're always a disappointment. <laughs> There's like a 10% success rate. <laughs> but that 10% is what really hits. Just, just remember this. You keep on trying again and again for that 10%. Yeah, just remember yeah. this. 10% of the time works, works every, every time. Percent of the time. <laughs> so yeah, you're still going to drop marinara. Fine, whatever. I'm going to stick with my original. That's the original? You're still dropping it? Because like for pizza, I don't really like saucy pizzas. I mean, there are a lot of sauceless pizzas. I mean, we've made like you, six pizzas You guys pizzas can't see this, day. but I just moved my seat to the left away from Ampi. Oh my that God. Piece. I know that's that's. I know the, it's really tough because rule. like I only really like Alfredo with garlic bread at Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> all of gar, all of the garden. <laughs> that's that's all what of makes garden. it better. It's like I want all these free breadsticks, but I need that two dollars side of Alfredo sauce. <laughs> it's worth it just for that. What about ranch? I like ranch. Ranch and breadsticks is delicious. I love ranch. Ranch I love ranch on and pizza. pizza. Crust. Plus, I just it's showed amazing. you the best ranch adjacent thing in Sac last weekend. The dill sauce. Oh, yeah. That's Lavu. really that's, good. That's the holiest sauce in Sacramento. Jordan was slinging dill sauce from his trunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More than I put it there and I forgot about it. See, no matter how you twist it, no matter how you label it, whatnot, it's still ranch at the end of the goddamn day. Notice that we always have like one sauce and thing no one talks about. And I think we can all agree pesto is pretty awesome. Pesto is staying. Yeah. No doubt. Pesto's in for sure. I'll make it quick. I'm going to drop Alfredo too. That's fine. More Alfredo for me. He gets it. He gets it's it. It's just too rich. Again, to the mozzarella reference earlier too. Every time I see it on a menu, there's always something way more exciting that's going to draw me to it rather than that. Yeah. For kind of that factor alone. Plus, I really do like a good marinara and I like a good pesto. I'd rather have like, what's that, what that called? Those Parmesan cream sauces where they just reduce cream and Parmesan. Mm. Yeah, I'd rather have that than Alfredo. But no, I'm not really I'm not really a fan of white sauce pizza either. I'm a fan. I like it. No, I'd rather go for a pesto or a or a marinara. Also when it comes to pizza. So I'll drop it there as well. Let's boil it down to the basic ingredients. Things to do with like milk and butter. Make ice cream. Ooh. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's where that's I where I like cream. that's those ingredients. Man, this makes you think about dessert pizza and the pizza buffets that do it. They always do like that. Yeah, pizza stuff. Pizza Hut used to <laughs> Pizza Hut used to have a buffet and you could have a dessert pizza. <laughs> I miss pizza buffets. <laughs> I don't. I mean my my appetite doesn't. Because I'd rather get like one really good pie, not like yeah. multiple mediocre slices. That's like when you become an adult. <laughs> You're okay. like, I don't need to eat. Or... I like other buffets. You like quality over quantity. Okay, let's cut the crap and let's just talk about the best things about a buffet. The best thing about the buffet is the frozen yogurt condiment bar. That was it. Yep. <laughs> the crushed up Oreos, yep. the sprinkles, yep. the almonds. You would pay $15.95 per person. It used to be $9.95 per person. <laughs> 
to get all this like mediocre food, but you know you were just waiting for the froyo for the whole time. That's very true. Why not just go for the froyo from the jump? Yeah, I mean, we're adults jump. now. We can go do that. I know, right? Because when you were a kid, you were taught you gotta wait for dessert after dinner. Like I can have Teddy Grahams in my bowl of cereal <laughs> with milk, but you know what, Mom? It's okay. I go to Berkeley Bowl, and there are the Annie's organic Teddy Grahams, and it's the Strauss milk, so it makes it okay. I'm responsible. Yeah. See, you can have fun and still be responsible. <laughs> Back to the original point. Let us know what sauce you're dropping. Thanks for being on here again, too. Cool. Thank Please you for Please don't attack me. me for choosing Alfredo. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate all your love and support. As always, uh, you know, comment on our IGs, hit like, subscribe, follow us on SoundCloud. Come to our internet club. Sit down, be hungry. Club. But we like to call it the club. <laughs> What's going on with you? Well, like we mentioned earlier, CamFest, yes. the 36th edition. Yeah. We'll be eating some great things at the events they do there. For sure. Also, if you're back in my hometown, our hella good company friends are doing a dinner with prior guest Hedgen of Big Bad Wolf. So make sure you guys cop that as well, too. May 26th on the rooftop of the Warehouse Artist Lofts. So where can people get tickets? It'll be a Splash That event page. Okay. It's only 30 seats, so it's going to sell out. So you better get on it quick. Um, we'll post the link in the description. Perfect, perfect. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, that'd be really I cool. Actually, I actually can't go. I'm going to Barcelona that day. But boo, I'll be there in spirit. Boo-hoo. First world problems. I, I have to go to Barcelona. Yeah. I'll be getting FOMO from it, though, still. <laughs> uh, what about you? I'm so excited. Tomorrow, I am flying to Nashville. You will still be there at the time the show drops. Yes. But at the time we're recording this, you're about to leave. Yes. I'm going to Nashville to eat. But the main reason I'm going <laughs> is... Some friends and I are going to see Justin Timberlake in Tennessee. I mean, it is May. Should be. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's such an old joke, but you have to keep bringing it's it up. It's fine. It's a great joke. Yeah. I love that joke. Curious to see how this will be because I've gone to every Justin Timberlake concert and I'm not too keen on this new album, but, you know, I'm, he's going to do a lot of his other songs and he's a great showman, so I'm super excited to go with other Justin Timberlake fans. JT enthusiasts. JT enthusiasts. <laughs> Actually, I need advice, guys, because I have three hot chicken places that I need to decide on, and I can't eat at three of them in I the mean, short amount of time. I think I that's where we differ. I would probably try, so it's a good thing that you have the restraint. So the options are Hattie's, Prince, and Bolton's. Bolton's, yeah. Bolton's. I'm leaning towards Prince, and Bolton's are my two to choose, but I am open to listening to any swaying opinions. Opinions. We did lock down uh, reservations at Husk, Sean Brock's restaurant for lunch. So super excited for that. And then um, I talked to some of the Trick Dog guys who recently went and they gave me a bunch of bars that I must hit up. So super excited for that. All right. I look forward to hearing about it. All right. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening. Boop. So they go up to like this house of this old white couple and they essentially like ask them if they could give them some money to party at their house. And they're like, no. And they come up with just more money. And then they're like, yeah. So the couple just leaves and they start partying in their house. And then they're just doing it. And then CeeLo, he just sings the hook like by himself on the stairs. It's pretty good.